Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. So today is part three of Summer Soul. And uh, summertime, everybody, well, maybe not everybody, but some people are working on their summer body. And uh, for me, I'm just not superficial, so I really try to work on what's on the inside and not, no, I'm joking. Anyway, um, but I think it's equally important, if not more than important, for us not to, not to just be working on our body and our health, and that's great, that's important, but the Bible even tells us that it's greater value to be strong on the inside. And our soul is our mind, it's our will, it's our emotions. And if you think about that for a second, that's really the main piece of who you are. Because every moment of every day, even whether you're awake or whether you're asleep, your mind is at work, your emotions are at work. Somebody's like, I wish mine would work less. Anyway, uh, your will is at work. So it is so important for us as, as individuals, as people, as men and women, as singles, as married, as generationally, uh, to understand that God wants you to have a strong and a healthy soul because out of your soul will come strength even in your body. So I wanna read a verse that it was actually kind of the main verse last week, but we just, we're, we're continuing to dig a little bit deeper today and I want you to follow along with me. So I'm gonna read Isaiah chapter 40. It's a prophet from the Old Testament. If you have a Bible with you, you can open it or you can open the, the YouVersion Bible app. If, that's, if the Bible is new to you and you don't even own one, I tell everybody, everybody needs to have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone so that any given time, you can, you can go there or, if, or somebody says something or I say something. You can go make sure I'm not making stuff up. You can go check it out for yourself. Um, I'm going to read this, uh, verses uh, 28 through 31. It's actually the second half of 28 uh, from the New King James Version because there's a word in here that it hits that I want to make sure we have this morning. It says that the, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. That's good news, right? Like, I'm gonna get tired. I don't want God to get tired. God's like, I'm good, don't worry about it. His understanding is unsearchable. <clears throat> he gives power to the weak, and those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths will faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But here we go. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. That's good news this morning. Did you know that God is constantly after the transformation of your soul? Nonstop. Every single day is, a, is another day in your journey and relationship with Jesus for your soul to be continually transformed. And, uh, and it's, your, it's connected to your spirit as well. Your spirit is kind of like the heart of your spiritual person. Your, your spirit is your heart, not, not the muscle, not the physical you know, beating part, but that's the center of who you are. And so your soul is directly connected to the health even of your spirit. Now God is constantly at work transforming who we are. Now that, that kind of sometimes can fly in the face of our culture that tries to paint a picture that God loves us so much that we actually don't have to change. He just, that we, we take a truth, the truth is that God will take you as you are, that's true, 
But we, we like to end it right there because God will take you as you are, but he loves you so stinking much that he refuses to leave you where he found you. What kind of friend would a friend be if somebody found you lying in the gutter and they came up to you and they said, man, I'm, you know what, I just feel like we're gonna be friends. And you're like, oh, that's, that sounds great. And then they just walk away and leave you lying in the gutter. Wow. You're like, okay, well, maybe this thing's gonna work out like I thought it was. That's ridiculous. But isn't, that's how we treat God a lot. Because for some reason, and, and it's, it's human nature, it's all these things, we grow comfortable in our brokenness and so when God comes along and says, hey, I love you, I love you. And if we get to the point of faith where we're like, okay, I, re I can receive that, I believe that. And he's like, okay, now, now I wanna take you on a journey. Oh, whoa, 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 I thought you said you loved me. Now you're trying to mess with me. God's like, yeah, I, okay, this is gonna take a while. Okay, that's, I'm gonna keep coming back. But that, that's the beauty of a relationship with God is that he loves you enough to come at you and love you where you are when, he, when, when you first recognize that he is real, but he loves you enough to not leave you that way. And so there's a transformation that God is constantly working on. It starts at a point of salvation. That's really, and there may be, there may be there's groundwork all the time that God is at work chasing after you with his love and his grace. Some people think he's chasing after you with a baseball bat. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the heart of God. God is chasing after you with his love and his grace, creating intersections at all the time so that you can finally at some point recognize that he's there, that he's there, and he's there. And we've missed it a million times, and it's okay because he keeps coming back. But when we finally get to that point of re realizing this is who God is, this is who Jesus is, this is what God has done for me, and you give your life to Jesus in that point of salvation, too often in the church world, in the Christian world, Jesus' followers stop at the point of salvation and we don't continue on a journey of transformation. And I'll, and I'll, you know, I'll give it to you. It, like if, if you don't know what that journey is gonna be, like we've all been on different relational journeys, right? Some are okay, some are great, and some are, I just wanna forget about that. And some of them turn into patterns of I wanna forget about that that keep happening over and over again. So, so I get it, there can be a hesitancy in our human nature, in the world culture, to wanna go on this journey with a God that we just kinda met, we just, we barely know, and where is he gonna take me? Does, are, are you sure that he wants good things for me or is this gonna be hell? And, uh, and God wants you to know that the journey that he wants to take you on is a journey of, yes, transformation and discovery of who God is and who he made you to be. But it's a journey that is filled with love, guided with grace, uh, full of unfailing love and mercy and forgiveness. It's a journey that will transform your life into the best version of you that you could never imagine. But that's where faith comes in. That's where faith comes in because we have to have a, a confident belief and a confident hope that that's who God is. And we have to take that step. Salvation isn't the end. Salvation is just the beginning. But after the point of salvation, God desires you to be renewed and to be transformed. Every day with Jesus is about spiritual growth and transformation. Romans 12.2 says this uh, in the New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and the custom of this world. Because honestly, we all know this, that's what got us in trouble to begin with. Right. Doing what we saw everyone else doing. And not just because we were in peer pressure, we, that's just, oh, that's just what we do, right? 
Uh, you know, we have broken relationships. Well, that's normal, right? I don't need to try to change that. I just got to go for it and see what happens. And if it breaks apart, then I'll just go find another one. That's normal, right? And God says, no, don't follow the customs and the behaviors of the world in which you see. It's, where I lost my place? Where am I? Oh, it's because I scrolled. Anyway, it was an accidental scroll. Okay. But let God transform you into a new person by what? By forcing you to follow all the rules. Sometimes you just got to make sure you're paying attention. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Where do you think? You think in your mind. And what's your mind a part of? Your mind's a part of your soul. There's a transformation in your soul that starts in the way that you think, but God has to have your heart first. Um, there, then, then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's a little confirmation there. The book of Romans is very powerful, 16 chapters of power. Uh, the, the first uh, 10 chapters deal with your, uh, your behavior. Yes, God actually has um, the guts to tell you, I'm sorry, with your belief. God has the guts to tell you what to believe. Why? Because our own belief system that comes in our human nature uh, is what gets us to a place of brokenness. So yes, Christianity is about believing things a certain way. And it's, it's not closed-minded. It's actually the narrow gate that opens you up to an expansive life. I know others would want you to think that it's just a narrow gate of rules and religion and regulation and judgment and you have to dress this way, walk this way, act this way. You, you can never mess up. You can never do this and that. And it's not about that. It's a narrow gate so that you can see how easy and clear the decision must be. But once you make the decision to give your life to the Lord, it opens up your life into an expansive freedom that you've never experienced before. So the first 10 chapters are dealing with our beliefs. This, the last six chapters deal with your behavior. Now check this out. Behavior will always follow beliefs. So you got to think about that for a minute because you can say you have certain beliefs, but is it echoed in the behavior that comes from your true beliefs? Too often our, we, we uh, and this is something, I've, I've been guilty of this, uh, in my life and, and pointing fingers at others. I, you know, we talk about hypocrite. You know, really a hypocrite is somebody who, well, let's just, we'll call it so we're all on the same page. It's all of us, for one. But this is what a hypocrite is. is somebody who behaves differently than what they say they believe. And so when, that's why when people are like, what should I read in the Bible? I'm like, well, if, you know, read the book of John uh, and go to Romans and just spend a lot of time in Romans. There's going to be a lot of stuff you don't understand. But get in there and read it because it is going to begin to shape a belief system inside of you that once that belief system is there, then it begins to transform into a behavior. And again, it's not a religious behavior. It becomes a lifestyle. Religion is more like dieting. A relationship with God is more like a lifestyle. Anybody can go and eat bacon for six months, lose 50 pounds, and have a heart attack. But that's not the lifestyle you want, as good as bacon is. You want a lifestyle, not necessarily of the bacon. I can't believe I'm saying this. I love bacon. You want a lifestyle where it's going to be balanced and healthy. So religion says you follow the rules, you act a certain way, you go to church, you put on the church face, you wear the right clothes, uh, and you don't, you don't go to churches where preachers have holes in their jeans and wear Yankees hats when they preach. <laughs> and then you come to Convo Church. No. R relationship with God says, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you things over the course of a journey that is going to transform you into the man of God, the woman of God that you were created to be. Is that good? Okay. <clears throat> the key to soul transformation is, is in a renewed mind. It's in, it's in changing the way that we think. That's what it just said in Romans. So the question obviously would be how, how do we really renew our mind and how do we change the way that we think? Is it just gonna be um, my own personal behavior modification? Is it just me being more disciplined as a person? Uh, where's, just, give, just email me the bullet points of what I have to do and not do. That seems like it would be much easier, but that's not how it works. The key to to this is not going uh, to Amazon and searching in their self-help section and looking for the book that says five keys to a strong mental state. You will find it. You will find many of them, but they're not going to help you. Are there some little truths in there? Absolutely. But the cool thing is, check this out, and, and maybe one day you'll grab hold of this, and some of you probably already have. You begin to read uh, uh, business books and leadership books and self-help books, and, and I'm all about the business and the leadership books, by the way. I'm in there all the time. But you begin, once you read the Bible and you're reading some of these things, you begin to realize, hey, I've seen that before. You start reading through the book of Proverbs, and all of a sudden you realize that most of the leadership books that you see out there, it's like, that, that's almost a straight quote from the book, book, book of Proverbs. Like, are they, is this plagiarism or what's going on here? And it's not. It's just there are real principles of life and business and leadership and relationship and family and marriage and parenting. We're spending thousands and thousands of dollars looking for answers in people that in some way, shape, or form are echoing answers that are already right here. So here's the thing, though. If you, if, you don't know, uh, if, you, if you don't know the word, if you don't make it a part of your lifestyle, not your spiritual diet, but a part of your lifestyle, then, then you'll never be able to fully know the God of the Bible. And if you don't fully know the God of the Bible, then you'll never be able to have a relationship with that God that echoes the relationship God desires to have with you. And if you don't know who God truly is, I'm not talking about salvation. There are many people saved, going to heaven, going to spend eternity with them. But when they get to heaven, that'll be the first revelation of who God is. When God has been begging to have a relationship with you here on earth to know who he is and who he created you to be and to give you freedom and to give you fullness and to give you healthy relationships and to give you insights into business and to give you insights into being a leader in your community, that comes from a relationship with God. And so it's, I'm not talking about heaven and hell right now. I'm talking about the heaven that God wants you to live in while you're walking on this earth. So we gotta know God's word, it's not religious. This is about growing in who you are and knowing who God is. Transformation, the transformation that needs to happen for our soul is found in the waiting. The waiting, again from that, that same, the, the intro verse that we read, Isaiah 40, uh, 20 through 31, that one line in there, but those, it's talking about how we're all gonna be weak, we're all gonna get tired, we're all gonna stumble and fall, we're all gonna fall short of what is possible because we think we can do it on our own strength. Anybody? Somebody up in here needs to realize that's you. <laughs> You've been trying to do it on your own. I'm tough enough. Maybe I can speak to the men, but I'm not gonna throw the ladies out either. I'm strong enough. I'm tough enough. I'm empowered enough. I've got enough of what it takes. I don't need nobody's help. I don't need a man. I don't need a woman. I don't need anybody. I can do this on my own. And a month later, you are flat on your face. You're broke, you're bankrupt, you're homeless, and you don't know what to do. 
Alrighty then, okay. But those who wait, wait, wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. Um, some of the most successful people are not the people that are uh, given the riches, or some of the most successful even uh, athletes are not the people that necessarily have like the natural, you know, the thing, the natural thing. It's the people that have the greatest mental toughness. Uh, did you know that the, your, your body will follow what your mind says your body can do? I, I, usually twice a year, I become a runner for a short period of time. <laughs> you know, I'm, gonna, I'm training for a marathon six years later. Okay, I guess I'm still training for a marathon. I don't know. Five years later, I'm training for a 5K. Okay, it's just, anyway. But I, I remember, uh, if I can remember that far back to the last time I became a runner, uh, but no, you're, you're running and you get to a point where your body says, I'm done. I can't breathe. <laughs> my legs hurt. Uh, my, my lungs are exploding. Some, somebody has put a fire in my chest. I don't know what that means. Maybe I should stop. And, uh, but I began to realize, because I was using this, this beautiful little app that, that you know, talks to you and encourages you with this monotone computer voice. And, and I was getting to at the end of this segment where I'm supposed to be, you know, running hard for, you know, for 90 seconds. You're going to run hard for 90 seconds and you're going to slow it down to kind of a jog. And I'm, I'm about 30 seconds away from that 90 and I'm like, I'm about to see Jesus. This is where it all ends. <laughs> and this voice pops in that says, only 30 more seconds, you can do it. And I'm like, let's give it a shot. I do love Jesus, so heaven's going to be nice. And, and, and my wife's a strong leader. The church will be fine. And and so I'm like 30 more seconds, and I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. And I got to it, and hey, check this out. I didn't die. <laughs> I was actually able to slow it down, and I kept running. And I was, my body was able to do something that my body didn't realize it could do because my mind knew something that my body didn't know. My soul in that moment, I won't claim that it's permanent, I'm still working on it. My soul in that moment was stronger than my flesh. And when your soul is stronger than your flesh, your soul has the ability to call your flesh up to another level that it's never been before. Now check this out. Alcoholism's always been in my family. I'll, I'll just be like my, my grandfather and my father. Uh, pornography has always been a thing. I'll never be able to break it. Uh, I've always been in broken relationships and it's probably just gonna be the same thing. And we, we bring our soul down to the reality of what we see in the natural realm. But what you need to do is you need to strengthen your soul. The Bible tells us that we actually, for those who are Jesus followers, 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. That means that we have the soul of Christ. That means that we have an ability, I can do all things through Christ. How? Because he's inside of you, who strengthens me. It's not you who strengthens you, it's Christ in you that strengthens you. And we have to begin to speak life to ourself and call our flesh up to where our soul is realizing that every single day God's doing this with our soul if we allow him. Every single day God's, he's wanting to take you to a whole nother level. And you're, if you speak to your flesh, if you speak to your human nature, it will begin to come in alignment with what God is doing inside of you. But you gotta make a choice. You gotta make a choice. God's never forced himself on anybody. God's never, God is a gentleman. 
God knows how to take care of people. He knows how to love his kids and bring them along. He's never forced anybody into salvation. He's never forced anybody into a relationship with him. Even Israel, he made a promise to Abraham, and because of a promise to one person, God remained faithful for thousands of years for people who constantly rejected and turned their back on him. Yet he's still there. Why? Because he, he's, he could have just like, you know, done the, done the Thanos thing and just snap, boom, let me start over, poof. He's like, nah, I remember my servant Abraham. I made a promise to him. I'm gonna remain faithful. And so we've got an opportunity. Why is my computer trying to restart when I'm right in the middle of preaching? Anyway, okay, sorry, that, that was inside. I didn't need to say that, but it came out anyway. The strength of your soul will determine the strength of your life, but we have to, we have to wait. We have to wait. There's... Uh, there's weight, there's weight in, in the weight. There's W-E-I-G-H-T, there's weight in the W-A-I-T, weight. There's the, okay, so here's the deal. The word that got used, because um, you got to know that the Bible was not originally written in English. It was written thousands of years ago, and the Old Testament was mostly in Hebrew, the New Testament mostly in Greek. And so sometimes you have to go back and read a word that, that they spoke because our English language is actually not as complex as theirs was to really understand what they were saying. And, and that the word wait is this word kiva. And kiva means, to, uh, means that you are waiting, uh, you are awaiting something, that you are, uh, you're hoping for something, that you are, it's waiting for. And it's not a hope like, um, like I, I hope I'm gonna lose weight this year. Or I hope that, uh, that the Redskins, that's my f- football team, by the way, are, are ever going to do anything ever. Uh, I, I hope that this traffic will, will start moving on. I hope that my loved one that takes forever to get ready in the morning so that we can be on time at church gets ready faster. That's not the hope we're talking about right here. We're talking about a hope where there is an eager expectation and anticipation of what is not might happen, but what is going to happen. Because if we have that revelation and that faith confession that God's never late, we sang about it this morning, he's never late, he's never early, he's always perfectly on time for us in our life, then that means that we can wait kind of on the edge of our seat, right? Like, like, a, like a child on Christmas Eve who's pretending to sleep. They're in their bed, you come and check on them. They close one eye and they keep the one open that's not, you know. And, when they, and when, when they go to bed, they're peeking out the door, they're looking out the window, they're listening for things. That expectation that, hey, so, something is about to happen. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not gonna go anywhere because if I try to make something happen, I've done that before, that doesn't work out very well. But God says, if I wait on him, there is a, there's a wait to waiting on God, that, that God is going to come through for me. God is going to give me what I didn't have to begin with. God is going to empower me to do something that my body cannot do. But now since I have Christ in me, in my soul, in my mind, my will, and my emotions, it's gonna begin to uh, uh, elevate the rest of my life and bring me to a place of divine strength that comes from God. So when I wait on God and he renews my strength, it means that yes, I can stay in this marriage because I am trusting that God 
God is going to do a miracle and bring us together like we never have been before. It means that I don't have to necessarily quit my job just because I don't like a few people, but maybe I'm gonna wait on God and he's gonna give me strength so that I can actually be a light in the workplace and trust God with the provision and trust God with the promotions and trust God with paying the bills and I don't have to just act impulsively. Because here's the thing, I don't know about you, but waiting, I don't think, in our human nature comes naturally to most people. We live in a very impulsive culture. Everything is instant. We got, we got Uncle Ben's ready rice. We got, it's, it's instant, I get 30, 60 seconds, and they might even be trying to cut that in half. How can I have rice faster? Why is that an issue? Why are we trying to solve rice problems in our country? Uh, we have microwaves. We have even our social media is called Insta. Graham, and uh, everything has to be quick. Everything has to be, if, if traffic, people talk, and you know, we lived in DC before we came out here. And so, and hearing people talk about, man, the traffic in Reno, the traffic in Reno. I'm like, hey, let's go on a field trip. Let's go on a field trip. Let me put you on the beltway in the DMV, especially when like a political official decides they wanna go on a drive. And I don't care if it's five o'clock in the afternoon, we're shutting everything down. It's like, it's perspective, you know, it's, you know, I can't wait wait for traffic to go. This car's in front of me and he's going too slow. So I'm gonna get close enough so that I can count the hair follicles in the back of their head and let them know that I'm unhappy about the speed in which they are driving. You know, we are trying to make things happen because we are, we, we are impulsive people. Yeah. And impulsive isn't really a great brand for people. So we rebrand impulsive by calling it spontaneous. And so all of a sudden, we begin to make spontaneous decisions because we saw the commercial and that's the car that I want. That's the color of the car that I want. See, wisdom would say, save up some money, get an older model, but our spontaneity says, you know what, I'm gonna go get me a car. What's the interest rate on this car gonna be? Let me check your credit, 400%. You know, I could probably do that. <laughs> How many years? You'll, you'll retire before you pay off the, oh, yeah. But look how I look in this seat. Let me take a selfie. I'm gonna post this, hashtag blessed. Okay, I got, you're not blessed. You're not blessed, you're impulsive. You're <laughs> oh man, we're having fun in church. That's good, that's good. That's good stuff. There will be more strength found in the waiting than in the striving. I'm telling you, striving, you know this. I'm just telling you something you already know about yourself. You're exhausted. You are worn out to the point, and I hear this all the time, to the point where this, this, this thing that we're doing right here, and y'all are all getting, you know, the checkbox and the gold star, you're here today. You're, you chose to be here, but so many people are so exhausted by striving in life that they can't even get themselves up to get to the place that is going to energize them. Wow with other people around them that will empower them and inspire them so that Monday through Saturday, you're not dragging through life with fingernails, just clawing in the dirt, trying to make it through. You're exhausted, why? Because you're striving. You're trying to do it on your own. Yeah, but it's gotta happen by this time. And I, I said I was gonna be married by this age and, and I was gonna retire by this age and I was gonna have this much money in the bank account by this age. Why? You can't take none of that with you. You can't take any of it with you. We're, we're striving to create a net worth that doesn't amount to a net worth of anything. Yes. We're, we're exhausted, we're dying, our relationships are broken. We don't have friends. We barely have family. 
Why? Because we have goals. God wants you to destroy your goals so that he can transform your mind, which will ultimately, let me tell you, transform your goals. And all of a sudden, a life of stress becomes a life that has a flow and that has margin and that has peace and that has relationship because you have now put yourself in a stream, in a river that God is controlling the tempo and you're not turning around swimming upstream. God wants to refresh your life and give you strength, but it comes in the waiting. So here's my final thought to wrap this thing up for today. You know, we said God's never late, all that stuff. There's, and it's throughout scripture, it's everywhere, it's throughout scripture. But one, one story that, that stood out to me specifically there's this one story in the Gospels where, uh, where Jesus had become very close friends with this one family. And there was a guy named Lazarus, and he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And uh, we knew they were close to Jesus because there's actually two different stories that involve them with Jesus. And I'm like, okay, that, they got two mentions in the Gospels. They must have been doing all right. They were friends. And, uh, but this one time, Jesus is with his disciples in another town, and, uh, this, and, and Lazarus got sick, like deathly ill. And the sisters were like, hey, send send." a message to Jesus, uh, Lazarus ain't doing good, and we're concerned that he's not gonna make it. So that, that you know, we, let's translate that for us. Something ain't going right in our life, we're taking it to Jesus. Jesus, help me. Jesus, I don't know if I'm gonna make this. Jesus, I got a friend who's dying. Jesus, I got a situation. And this is what Jesus said basically to the messenger. He told him, he's like, okay, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap things up here in a couple of days, and we'll, we'll head in that direction. How many times have you asked God to do something for you and you felt like his response was, um, yeah, okay, we'll get to that. You're like, I'm sorry, what? Maybe you didn't understand my email. You didn't understand the all caps bold with underline and highlights and the fire emojis with the exclamation points to let you know that what I'm going through is a significant situation and things need to change. I need you here yesterday, Jesus. Jesus, like, okay, all right. And it says that he, the, he told the disciples, okay, you know, all right, let's move on our way. And that was two days later. And it says that by the time he actually got to where he was going, which if you look at it, he was in Jerusalem and had to go to Bethany in Israel, or actually down in Judea. And it would have been maybe like a, like a six-hour walk, which we're in America. Ain't nobody trying to walk for six hours. But this was not America. This was normal. They just go travel. That's how they got places. It says that by the time he got to the place that took six hours to walk, Lazarus had been in the grave for four days. So not only was the thing that these sisters were praying to Jesus for and talking to him about and saying they needed his help, not only did his response not come when they wanted it, what they were praying for died. What they were, oh my gosh, somebody's not paying attention. What they were believing and asking God for, it wasn't waiting, it was dead. What do we do when things die? Well, it's dead. What am I gonna do? Jesus said, you know what, I already knew this was gonna happen. The reason why I allowed this to happen was because y'all are gonna see who God really is. So when we think God is coming late, God's actually coming on time because what God is trying to do is to let you know who he is. It's not about us, it's about him. And the faster we get our minds wrapped around that, the faster we make how we live be about God and not trying to get God to be about us, 
the more we will begin to live in a flow of life that will transform the way that the world operates. And we won't have to be on Facebook complaining about everybody. And we won't have to be on social media talking about how everything is going to hell in a handbasket because the world will actually begin to take notice of how we are living and see something different inside of us that makes them want to transform into who we are. And we can point them to where we got it from. Spoiler alert on that story. He comes in and he raises Lazarus from the dead. Says, Lazarus, come out. And dude comes out in grave cloths. He's struggling out. They're like, unwrap him. Come on. That's just how I see it. God's not late, but you got to wait. Waiting on the Lord means that every day, in some way, shape, or form, maybe it's driving in a car, maybe it's at home, you have to find a moment where you can quiet yourself, where you can take a phone and turn it off or throw it outside your window and, and just be quiet. And yeah, talk to Jesus, but also just be quiet. We don't do that well. That's not, that's not in our world. We don't, we're not good at that. We need to become good at waiting on the Lord, quieting ourselves before him, because God has so much good that he wants to speak to you. Like, how do I hear the voice of God? I know that's another teaching another time, but if you can just get in the word, I mean, just find something. Text a friend that knows the Bible and say, what do I read today? What one verse can I read today? Find it. Read it. Open the YouVersion Bible app. Get the verse of the day. Read that. And then just sit and be quiet. And let the Holy Spirit speak to your soul. Let him transform and renew your mind. And some people are like, yeah, I like to do this when I go to bed at night. That's great if you're also doing it in the morning. Because you don't want God to fix what messed up during the day. You want to give God the first so that you can be on a direction for the day. Does that make sense? So if you're trying to figure out, well, when should I have my God time? I have to be at work early. Get up earlier. Yeah, but it's early. Yeah, well, God's, you don't have to wake him up. God's awake. He's there. He'll be there. It's so important to give God the first fruits of that moment so that he can bring your soul to a place that your, your flesh will begin to come up to. And then you can walk in the purpose of God. The Romans 12, too, remember? That's, then you will know the will of God. Don't, don't be worrying about your whole life. Just worry about today. I want to know the will of God for today. The will of God for today might be get dressed, brush your teeth, get some deodorant on, go to work, smile at people at work, and go home. You're like, that's not very spiritual. You'd be surprised. Because most of our day when it gets screwed up is wrapped around got up late, didn't have milk in the fridge, uh, I'm out of deodorant, I'm upset. Traffic was bad, got to work, and there's that lady again. So if that can wreck your day, then get in front of it, get the spirit of God in you so that you can set the tone for the day. Okay, all right, that's it. All right, let me pray for you. Can you bow your heads, close your eyes? And um, we, all, we all need this, y'all. Let's be real. This is not a raise your hand if you need to learn how to wait on the Lord. This is us all saying, God, help us. Help our overprivileged, American, Western, impatient, impulsive, arrogant, prideful self. Learn how to humble ourselves before the Lord, to be patient, to not feel like we have to rush and make everything happen. This is all of us. So I'm gonna pray for you and me, if that's okay. Can a pastor pray for himself, yeah. 
And then I'm gonna pray for one other thing. But Father, right now, we just thank you, Lord. Lord, your grace is so amazing. If, if any of us had to do your job for one day, man, it would be a situation. But you, you, you're up there in heaven and your spirit is down here alive inside of us. And you smile at us. And you shake your head, not in disappointment, you shake your head almost in, in humor at, at our attempts to do the things, like, like little kids trying to, trying to do stuff they see their dad doing. And, and, and it's, it's, they're not doing it, but it's so cute. And you, God, you love us. And I just thank you that your grace is there for us and your love and you envelop us uh, with, with, with support and encouragement and forgiveness. And, and God, we thank you for that. And we pray that you would help us in the waiting, that even this week that we would go home and say, God, every day I'm gonna set aside time, even if I don't do nothing, but just sit there quietly and wait on you. Even if I don't even walk away from that thinking I got some grand revelation, but I just took time to, to slow my pace, to get in pace with God's pace. Father, help us with that. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.